and the demonstrations have now entered their third month. There have been ongoing clashes with the police and huge mobilizations. Well, I understand things have quieted somewhat recently. Can I start by asking you to give us a sense for life in Santiago at this time? How much have the protests affected people's day-to-day -day lives? Um, I think it has... I think the mobilizations, the protests, the street fights have affected day-to-day -day life greatly, particularly and especially for those that live in the center of the city and near where the big mobilizations happen, but not only um, because there are also mobilizations now in some other more peripheral areas of the city, like the Pudahuel Sud area, which is a more poor uh, area of the city where there have been now really strong um, confrontations with the police. But definitely, I mean, definitely it has affected day-to-day -day life. Also from a visual point of view, there's political graffiti everywhere you go in the streets of Santiago, especially in the center. But in mostly every street, you will see political graffiti that has to do with what's going on now. Um, if if it's a Friday or if it's the day where there's a call for a mobilization, public transport will be rerouted. Um, and so usually that affects people you have to happen to account when you go somewhere, when you leave work, that there will be rerouting. Maybe sometimes buses won't stop. Mm. Now the metro is mostly working at regular intervals, but that still means that after 11 at night doesn't work and the buses also don't run. So after this, you're kind of left to your own devices. Oh, and I should say... At the beginning, obviously, maybe you already heard or read that it had affected regular life much, much more. Um, people were working less hours. Places of work near the center were opening later and they were closing earlier to allow people that lived far away to be able to get to their houses on time because the city was, in fact, stopping public transportation much earlier um, when the demonstrations were like at a higher rate and with more people. Sarah, President Sebastian Pinanera has made some attempt to quell the demonstrations by announcing a series of social reforms, most recently a couple of weeks ago announcing an overhaul, a complete overhaul of the country's welfare system. What has the response been to these attempts at compromise from the state? Does it seem people are still determined to continue the movements? People don't buy it. I mean, I think there is a part of the people that do believe and want to believe that there is some sort of hope in the idea of voting for a new constitution and of writing a new constitution. But from what I have seen, heard, talked about with people, it's pretty clear that this is not the solution, that it's, and that it's something that the government is using to appease the mobilizations and to kind of channel the rage and channel the mobilizations, but it's not necessarily working people realize that changing the constitution won't change the economic system or the laws that are directing um, this economic system and that those are the things that really need to be changed. And people are definitely determined to continue the mobilizations. People already know that come March, it will pick up again. It will pick up again. March is when students go back to school in university and in high schools um, and we should not forget that high school students were the ones that 
that started all of this by evading paying for the metro and on a massive scale and they have been historically one of the groups that always start mobilizations and social protests so when the school year starts again it will pick up again um and there's a few very important dates that are coming up in the in the calendar so from the assemblies and events that I've gone to people have this very much in their mind now perhaps one of the most exciting aspects of these demonstrations is that while complex and politically diverse there seems to be a general anti-neoliberal politic have you found this to be the case and more generally what is your sense of the uh, political dynamics at play within these movements i would say that people very much are putting into question and criticizing neoliberalism as the model that they want their life to be ruled by um perhaps there isn't such a clear sense about which direction to go from there but it's very clear that it hasn't worked is not working and it should not continue to work <laughs> that it needs to be stopped and it needs to be changed um completely um there is I think people are exploring now new ways of relating socially and economically. A lot of the assemblies are organizing free markets. They're organizing workshops. Um, some assemblies that I know are organizing workshops to learn about other ways of um, organizing communities. Economically speaking, they're trying to, to learn from other examples around the world. Um, I think it's a very diverse political movement and social movement um there are people from all walks of life from all kinds of ideologies but what's very clear is that most of them are anti-government in the sense that there there is no longer trust in the institutions there is no longer trust in the president as someone that can that can do their job there is no longer trust in political parties there is no longer trust in the police force um the the institutions of democracy let's say the, the institutions of representative democracy don't have the trust of the people by any means now there has been a severe police repression with reports of many people simply going missing. Can you speak to that? Uh, what have you witnessed and how widespread has this repression been? I have witnessed a lot of things, a lot of really hard things. Um and I know other people have witnessed even harder things. I I was around um I was around when Mauricio Fredes died. This is the person that fell into a sewage hole that was uncovered and had been filled with water from the water cannon and subsequently died of um suffocation and um yeah. Uh I was in that same corner maybe 2 minutes before he fell. Um and I remember someone screaming to people because people when we are in the streets usually some people are making noise banging on 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 metal that they find um someone screaming that we needed silence because the firefighters are asking for silence because somebody fell um and it didn't dawn on me that it meant that somebody had fell as in we lost someone 
I thought they wanted silence to be able to work better. And I realized a few minutes later what they meant. And they were trying to get this minute of silence and it was impossible. The cops were still shooting tear gas at us and shooting rubber bullets. Um, It was very chaotic. Um, I was around another day that a young, that a person died because the cops wouldn't let the ambulance and the rescue team do their job. The water cannon was shooting at them. I wasn't near, like in the case of Mauricio, um, but I was around and it's always, it's always really hard um, to realize that you're around death so often. I was also around when um, this young man got hit by one of the tear gas tanks. Um, and I again, I hadn't realized that that's what happened. I remember like, I remember the screaming of people, the yelling, the running, and I started going there in that direction, but I hadn't realized that's what happened. And then a few minutes later, people were dragging a police motorbike and throwing it into the river and burning it as a response. Um, But I only realized that's what happened later. Um, And also, I have seen many people get shot by rubber bullets or buckshots, as you want to call them. Um, Last Friday, last Friday I saw someone fall from a shot and realized when the rescue team came to get him that he had been shot in the eye. Um, and when they took they took his his mask off to to look at his face, and we all realized that he had lost an eye. Actually, he said something that I don't think I'm gonna forget. He said, "I just lost an eye. We have to keep going. You have to keep going." Um, and I'm always amazed by things like that. It's, it's sometimes feel very like schizophrenic, not to be, um, ableist or to use improper language, um, to diminish people with mental illnesses. But I mean that it's, it's very extreme in the sense that you can be somewhere that's very festive within the same square where it feels like a carnival. And then you walk a few blocks where the first line is clashing with the police and you see things like this. Um, So it's very strange, it's very strange. Um, And I know some people have seen even worse things. But yeah, it's, uh, it makes you feel a lot of stuff. (laughs) It makes you feel a lot of things and it, it makes me feel also very proud that people are very brave and continue to organize and to go out into the streets regardless of all this horrible violence. I have also seen civilian cops arresting people in front of me with nobody else around me, nothing for me to do. I have also seen civilian cops trying to arrest people in the middle of a demonstration and and people, people just showering them with rocks and somebody bravely picking up the person that they were going to arrest and taking them back into the crowd and the cops having to retreat. So... I am always amazed by how brave people are.
Finally, Sarah, these movements in Chile have not happened within an isolated vacuum. The ongoing demonstrations elsewhere in Central and South America, such as in Bolivia, as well as the movements elsewhere in the world, in Lebanon or Iraq, seem to indicate a very much resurgence of democracy movements or anti-neoliberal movements, movements that perhaps have the possibility of taking on an anti-capitalist nature. Having spent this time on the ground in Chile, has it left you with that impression that we may see a resurgence of more radical movements globally? I definitely think that there is something happening globally. I definitely think that we're a conjunction, we're like at a fracture point globally um, and it's taken many forms in different places. In Bolivia it's taken to the right in a lot of places it's taken to the right. Um, populists, right-wing fascist populists are very good at channeling discomfort at channeling rage, at channeling criticism of the of the state, of the government, of the status quo, because it's really easy to blame someone who is not like you. It's very easy to be a fascist populist and say, blame it on foreigners, um, blame it on migrants, blame it on minorities. It's very easy because then you don't have to question your own involvement in the things that are oppressing you and that are oppressing others. You don't have to question whether or not your actions have in fact driven you to the point where you are now. And and we have to be responsible and we have to understand that all of our actions in some way or another have driven us here. Um, and that's not to say that should paralyze us. It's not to say that you should you should think that all your actions have been in vain if you're someone who who is a who is a radical who's an activist um but that's part of who we are right we question everything but it shouldn't stop us from doing what we're doing um people were definitely inspired here by what was going on in ecuador at the beginning of october people are definitely inspired here by the struggle of the palestinian people um people people pay attention to what's going on abroad people pay attention to what idiots like Trump say, um, but at the same time, the battle, the battle is in that territory different, and, um, so we also have to see and hear and listen to what the Mapuche people in the Walmapu have to say, and people are definitely inspired by them, and this is the first time that, that, like, middle Chile society, let's say, is facing the same kind of repression, um, media manipulation and political manipulation of the struggle that the Mabuche people had suffered for many, many, many years. Um, so, I don't know. I think um, I think this will continue to have an anti-capitalist and anti-neoliberal flair to it. I think there's no going back to something different. It that's what it has now. That's the f- the flair, the the spark that it has now. It is anti-political parties. It is anti-government. It is anti-capitalism and it e- and it is anti-neoliberal because people people know and people realize and it's clear in their minds that that's that's what's wrong and that's what's been oppressing them and that's what they need to change and get rid of. And People are trying to do this from many different angles. People are trying to do this by fighting in the streets, by reporting, by organizing territorial assemblies, by 
learning about the new constitution if they want to vote, by supporting political prisoners of the revolt. Um, this, this, this fracture in the social pact has opened up doors that I don't think people are willingly going to close now. And it may sound really idealistic because in some ways the movement, the struggle hasn't really gained the things that it wants to gain. The government hasn't, hasn't really conceded outside of saying that there will be a constitutional, a, a plebiscite for a constitutional assembly. This is the only thing they've conceded. All the other laws that they've passed are laws that criminalize and suppress social protest. There are the anti-masking law, the anti-looting law, the anti-barricade law. These are the only things that they've passed and that they are considering in the Senate. They haven't even tried to change the pension system, the healthcare system, the educational system. About two weeks ago, we had massive evasions again, protests and occupations by high school students who were occupying the, the schools and the places where they were supposed to be taking the university entry exams. And it was successful. It was highly criticized, of course, but it was successful, and this seems to be the only way that people are listening to the demands. A lot of the the testing grounds got, you know, the the testing places were closed and canceled, and as a result of this. But the government itself is not conceding too much, and it won't concede too much. And Piñera is not gonna go, and he still has two years. Um, so this is only gonna go harder and stronger, and it will the fracture will get bigger and bigger. The distrust for the institutions will only grow, especially if the government continues to act so stupidly. All the things that they are passing are things that criminalize and marginalize protest and those who are in the streets and organizing even further. They haven't conceded anything, anything that the people have demanded from. They are playing their cards very poorly. <laughs> Um, and I just hope that the people on the ground are able to play their cards a little bit more, smarter.